As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning, High Point. How are we doing today? I heard this recently. I've heard it said that a person, they say this in the social media world, that a person has to see something 21 times before they will respond and purchase it, click to buy or sign up for the subscription. 21 times you need to see it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's kind of changing the way I'm scrolling through stuff. I'm like, oh, how many times is this? And I've heard it said in the spiritual realm that a person needs to hear the gospel seven times before they'll respond favorably. And if that's true, again, I I don't know if it's true or not, but if that is true, I beat the odds. Because the first time that I heard the gospel respond and painted clearly, that's the key, I, I responded favorably. But what about those people and what about the situation where people don't always respond favorably? And sometimes people do respond favorably, but it's just for a season. They're out of the gate so fast, and then the next thing you know, they give up and they fizzle out. Or why is it that when you're sharing with people, man, some people are really receptive, and other people are like, just get out of my face. No no thanks. That's what I want to talk to you about. If you have a Bible, do this. Open it up to Matthew chapter 13. We're in a series it's entitled Essentials. I want to welcome those that are joining us online. We've been talking about the essential beliefs and practices of the Christian faith. And I've jokingly said that it's like we're going back to school. Only this time, we're getting a master's degree in Christianity. And so here's our course syllabus. This is where we've been. Christianity 101, we talked about following the call. Then Christianity 201, joining the mission, and we looked at the Great Commission. Today, we're talking about Christianity 301 and sharing the message. And we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told that he explains why some people are receptive to receiving the message and some are not. And so I'm going to do this. I want to ask you as we look at this and as I read from Matthew chapter 13, I'm just going to ask you, and this is going to be hard to do for some than others, but act like this is the first time you've ever heard this. Like you've never heard it before. And again, I know that's going to be hard for some because you may have taught on this in Sunday school, or you've maybe read this or looked at a Bible study and had a study on it. No, no, just clean slate. I'm hearing Jesus say this for the first time. Pull up the rock. You got the sandals on. This is what he says in verse 3. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed it fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, honestly, 
If you had no interpretations, no Bible background, no Sunday school education, I mean, what? Jesus, what exactly are you talking about? I don't know about you, but the first time I read that, I, I didn't really know what he meant. But if that's you, we're in good company. Because that's why he explained it to his disciples. He pulled them aside from the crowd. And he's like, hey guys, let me tell you what I meant by all that. Let me read in verse 18. Because he says it to them and he says it to us. Hear then the parable of the sower, guys. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what it means to be sown along the path. Oh, now I understand. And as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately they receive it with joy. Yet, while there's no root in themselves, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Oh, I got, now I see. As for what was sown amongst the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, they actually choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred and another sixty and another thirty. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you that we have a benefit of your entire word right in front of us that we hold in our hands, that it's all inspired by you. May you give us fresh wisdom. May you give us fresh understanding for those who are here present, those that are online. Lord, we want to learn from you. And so we invite the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf and to help us understand that we would apply. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. All right, so going back to school, keeping with that theme, let's make sure we understand what Jesus is talking about. So let me define the terms. He did it, but let's make sure we get it. The seed is the truth of God's word. It's the book that I'm holding in my hands. It's the book that you have in your hands, whether it's on a device or whatever. That's God's word. And what's interesting about this, the seed that he's talking about throwing down, it is the truth. Now, there's two seeds. There's a primary application and a secondary. Please listen up if you've heard this before, this parable, but people don't share this like this enough. There's what I would call a primary seed of salvation. That's the truth that saves. That's eternal life. That's the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, was crucified, rose again. And if you believe that by faith, not works, by faith, through grace, then we can experience eternal life and it starts right now. Okay, it's 1140 and I thought you'd be awake enough to give a shout out to that truth. Is anybody happy about the seed of sanctification? I mean, come on, that's like, that it starts right now. That's the primary application. But then there's seeds of what I would call sanctification. And that's what the Bible describes as what? It's that I want to live my life in such a way where I please God with the daily decisions that I make and I follow the truths of his word that will help me live a life that is pleasing to him. Those are the seeds of sanctification. And so again, too often we've heard this parable and we don't recognize that there's two applications. And so what's the soil? Well, the soil is the condition of the person's heart. And so we see that right here. It's the representation of this is what the soil is. And, and the sower, that's what I am today and what 
you're called to be once you receive the seed of salvation is that we're called to throw down seeds. And, and so we're just simply the people who are sharing the truths of God's word with the people that are around us. Seeds of salvation and seeds of sanctification to those who are Christian. And Jesus is asking a question and Jesus is giving a warning. Don't miss this. Too often, maybe in your Sunday school, well, the parable is a heavenly, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. How many people have heard that? Or even said that? And I've, I've taught that too. I'm not making fun of it, although it sounds like I am. What I mean by that though is, it's so much more. A parable, as I see it, and specifically the ones that Jesus gives in the New Testament, I mean, this is hardcore spiritual eternal revelation. Like, this is gonna rock your world and your life, man. This isn't some little principle. This is hardcore spiritual truth that's communicated through an everyday reality. That's a parable. And that's what Jesus is doing. So he's asking the question, what's your heart like when it comes to the seed of salvation and the seeds specifically of sanctification? And then the warning, the warning flag for all of us. Hey, you know what? If you do what I'm asking you to do, this is what you're up against right here. Like if you're sowing the seed to your kids, if you got the blessing of children in high school or, or it, they become young adults, then, then this is what you're up against if you're gonna sow the truth of God's word. Hey, at work, you wanna live a godly lifestyle, you're trying to teach some principles, this is what it's gonna look like. Hey, even at church, there's gonna be people, you're gonna throw sound some seed, this is what you're gonna expect. So stop fooling yourself. It ain't always going to take root. That's what Jesus is talking about. So let's dig right in and let's go with the four hearts that, that we have and that we're sharing with. The first one is the hard heart that beats for sin. And so that's what's described in the text is what? It's, it's been trampled on for many, by many feet through many years. And that's what Jesus says is along the path. And so it's unreceptive, it's unrepentant, it's as hard as this concrete that I mixed yesterday. That's what it is. It's hard as a rock. And so Jesus says, well, what is it about this? What's about this that, that the seed falls on it? And you can, I mean, it's not going in. And so, so it says, he says, well, the birds come and snatch it away. And without his explanation, I don't know who the birds are, but the birds are the evil one. The representative of the enemy of this world is looking to steal truth. The truth that we sow to the people that we love. And so I remember being in college, and when I was in college, this was indicative of my heart. With the seeds of sanctification and the seed of salvation, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so, once I did become a believer, and I, went, I actually was, went to seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, which is not far from here, up in Deerfield, Illinois. And after I was in the business world, I was up there and I took this class by this adjunct professor, and it was, it was called Holiness. And so I was like at this class, and, and then I'll never forget because Dr. Zabo 
he starts telling us about his background that he used to work for navigators. And some may know navigators are on camp, college campuses. He's like, I was at this college campus for four years and I was seeing people come to Christ. We were sharing God's truth and people were embracing Jesus and it was awesome. And then I foolishly raised my hand and said, well, I wish somebody would have been doing that at my school that I went to, that pagan school I went to. We didn't have anybody like that, man. If you were there, man, it would have been awesome. And, and then he goes, well, what school did you go to? And I said, well, you, you probably never heard of it. It's this small school in Ohio. And he said, try me. So I said, Bowling Green State University. And then he said, that's the school I was at. And then I said, well, wait a minute. What years were you there? And he said, well, what years were you there? And after I told him, he said, those were the exact four years that I was there. So I never rose my hand again in class. But you know what I learned that day? It didn't matter who was sharing. It didn't matter how they were doing it, behind the back or through the legs. It didn't matter the fanciness or how much they knew or how much they knew the Bible or, or all these things we fool ourselves into thinking. My heart, I recognized then that it was the condition of my heart that was preventing me from receiving truth. Because I, honestly, I didn't want to change. I wasn't going to change. There was nothing that was going to change me apart from God's grace. I was living my life the way I wanted it, and that was it. And so fast forward to us in the chair right now. Do you realize that there's some who have received the big seed of salvation, but your heart is so hard to a smaller seed of sanctification, whether it's about unforgiveness for someone you need to forgive, or it's about sexuality and the way you're choosing to live your life. The, the small seeds of sanctification and what you're doing that's violating the principles of God's word. I mean, you're unrepentant and unresponsive and the truth is coming down and the enemy's stealing it away. Second heart is the shallow heart that beats for self. And that's the one we see here that's described in the rocky soil. And what's interesting about this one is that in Palestine, I've had the privilege of being to the Holy Lands, Jody and I, and uh, oftentimes what you'll uh, learn if you're there is that much of the soil is under a thick layer of limestone. And so in some places, although you can grow a lot of different things, it's hard to grow because there's not enough good soil to reach. And, and so that's what Jesus is talking about here. And so look at the picture that he paints in the scripture. He says that it's the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So check this out. This is what the person does. They hear it and then it's like this. They love it. Yes, I want that. Oh, yes, I need that. And oftentimes it's the person who emotionally or as a result of their emotions, you see people maybe other people making a decision. You see this in youth ministry where the whole crowd is making the decision. So, man, I, I'm joining in too. But, but then what's the text say? But there's not enough root. And, and so what happens is, understand this, persecution and tribulation come as a result of the word. Did you hear the emphasis? As a result of the truth. How many people would agree with me the Christian life is not easy? Come on now, it isn't easy. It actually gets harder to try to live by the principles of God's word than easier. Would you agree? And so you're gonna have persecution. 
You're going to have some tribulation. And then what's going to happen as a result of trying to live your life in this world, and if you have no root, then immediately you're going to fall away. That's the picture that Jesus is painting for us. Now, don't miss it. Pastor Craig's in the front row, so thankful for his leadership here. Can we give him a round of applause? So thankful for his leadership and how God's leading him. He's doing a great job, but he's in this thing. He's got the sticker, if you can see it. I got a sticker in my pocket, and um, it's all good. Hey, come on in, guys. All good. We'll welcome you guys, too. Give him a round of applause. And, and so, so you'll pick this up really easy. I know you will. So I got the sticker, and, and we're all in this big campaign. It's, I'm in, man, I'm in. And like, I'm in. And so this fall, it's like, man, we're in. Well, what are we in? Well, we're in the church, and we want you to grow, and we want to see you get involved in a growth group. And man, and don't miss. Behind all the balloons and all the T-shirts and all the stickers, we're, we're just going after this. We want you to have a depth to your soil. We want your roots to grow deep so that when the difficulty and persecution comes, that you'll stand strong and you will not fall away. And so the weekend, and I know you guys know this, the weekend we focus exclusively on God's word and we dig into God's word and we worship that we want to grow roots down deep for you spiritually. But then growth groups, the big I'm in campaign, it's about getting involved with other people and in growth groups and serving and getting relationships to where you can grow strong. And so I don't want to have contradictory illustrations, but I think you're smart enough, I hope so, to catch on. How many people have been in um, Northern California? Have you ever been up there and seen the redwoods? Anybody ever been up there? I, I, it's beautiful. And so these trees, if you haven't been up there, they're huge. So much so, I remember as a kid, you can drive your car through one of them. I mean, these things are amazing. Now, this isn't our family car, because um, even when I was 13, I wouldn't fit into a car like this. But, I mean, it's unbelievable that these trees are so big. These sequoias. And, but what's interesting, next picture, please, is it's unique because they have a root system that doesn't, it's, it, it's above ground. It's not necessarily digging in the ground. And as you can see, each of these big trees, they're interconnected and intertwined together. And so that's what keeps them standing strong. So that's just a picture of what we're going for with relationships here in the church, that you would be interconnected and intertwined with relationships with one another so that your depth of soil would grow deep and that we could literally depend upon one another when the persecution, the difficulty comes, that we can stand strong together. Amen? That's what we're looking for. And so you might say, well, you know, I, I got a, I mean, I got a friend in California. I speak to him. And, you know, we used to be in a small group together. And man, I got a girlfriend. She's down in Florida now. And, you know, it's just, I mean, I talk to them. Those are people I'm really close with and accountability. And hey, that's great. But what we're saying is, what, what about here and each week? Who are you connected with so that you can continue to remain strong? Because the depth of soil is so important. So third, heart. We've got a hard heart that beats for sin. We've got a shallow heart that beats for self. We've got a crowded or a divided heart that beats for this world, or if you want another S, for society, for our culture, and all the things that are happening that are feeding us, it 
they, they become like weeds and, and, and I, don't, I don't know where to go. And I mean, nothing can grow good here. Now, as I took these weeds out of our property in the back yesterday and dug them up and put them in this pot, if I'm extremely honest, and I think about what are we struggling with here in this church, I think this describes it best. Not just for this location. I was just in Wheaton 45 minutes ago, taught the same message there twice today, second time here. And I think in Wheaton, I think in Naperville, I think in our location in Romeoville, I, I think this is the one that best describes us, man. Anybody hear me? It's just like, it's just we're competing, we're divided, and so much has our time and our energy and our culture, and, 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 and God's trying to grow something in here. But interestingly, as Jesus describes this to us, look what he says. It's the one who hears the word and something happens. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches are like two arms, strong arms. And he describes it as literally choking the word out so it's unfruitful. So you've got the one arm of the cares of the world. And I don't think that it requires much explanation. This is the stuff that you're worried about. This is the stuff that you're concerned about. This is what kept you up last night. It's like, and then it's the deceitfulness of riches. And please hear me. Whether you got a lot of money or you got a little amount, whatever it is, everybody thinks the answer is more money. If I had more, I talk to people that'll have more money than I will ever see, and you possibly too. And they say, it does not solve all your problems they would actually articulate that it presents deeper problems and different problems. And we say, really? I'd like some of that. No, it, it, it is. And the love of money, the word says, is the root of all evil. And so Jesus is giving us a picture that that's what's strangling us. Right here. I remember when I was a youth pastor, when I was going to seminary, as I said, I, I was a youth pastor at a church not far from here. And I remember um, I did a series called Put God First. I mean, real creative title, Put God First. And I'll never forget this girl. Her name was Amber. And Amber, man, she was a sweetheart. And I don't know, there was just always something about me. The kids that weren't that in love with God, I really loved getting around them because I, I just had a heart for them to see them embrace the seed, the big seed of salvation. And so I'll never forget Amber. She was in a home that if I described the situation, it's like, you're like, oh my goodness. The deck was stacked against her. But she was in a good Christian home now and things seemed to be going better. And, and I'll never forget after the message, you know, put God first. And I met her in the hallway. This is the last time I ever talked to her, right in the church hallway. And I, I just said, Amber, man, I just need to tell you, God loves you more than I love you. He loves you more than anyone. He cares for you. And she's like, I know, I know. And, and then I said, but Amber, when are you going to put God first? And she says, I'm going to. I promise. I will do it. I promise I will. And do you know, that was the last time I ever talked to her. And it was the last time I ever saw her. And three months later, they found her. She was abducted and she was taken to Wisconsin. They found her in the woods and she had been strangled to death. I, I mean, I still 
that story still haunts me today. That last conversation that I had, what could I have said? What could I have done? What, we're, we're competing against the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. And it's literally strangling the spiritual life out of some of us. Charles Spurgeon, he probably says it best. He says, a jealous God will not be content with a divided heart. He must be loved first and best. Isn't that a good way to say it? It's like first and best, man. God is first and best. And sometimes these weeds, it's like, honestly, you know, I, I thought I did a pretty good job with this. It's like, that looks, you know, this is kind of pretty. I mean, look at that. It's nice. And sometimes a good thing can become a bad thing when it crowds out the best thing that cannot grow. And this is, this is what I see in our church because I see it in myself. And so maybe it's really me just saying it to you. I, I think this is a problem. With the big seed of salvation and the many smaller seeds of truth for sanctification and for those thinking, well, you know, sanctification, not that big of a deal. Hey, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, without holiness, sanctification, Christ-likeness, no one will see the Lord. So that's why Pastor Craig, and when we end our time, we're not done yet, but when we are, Pastor Craig's gonna lead us in communion because communion is a time where we can weed our hearts out. And, and the scripture says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and true to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so what are we going for? Well, going for this one, man. This is the one. It's the, it's the soft heart that beats for God. And, and that's the one we want. And, and so Jesus describes it. Look at the words he uses. It's the good soul. He hears the word. She hears the word. He or she understands the word. He or she bears fruit and yields a multitude of fruit that God wants to produce in you a harvest that will feed others. That's what he's going for. And so I like to think about spiritual fruit as this definition that I came up with. It's the tangible manifestation of God's redemptive work in a person's life that results in a change of character and conduct due to their devotion and dependence on Christ. Like that's the fruit that God's trying to grow, man, in you and me, that that's what he wants to do. Change in character and change in conduct. And so there's seeds being thrown and man, some are landing on some pretty hard soil, but others are landing here, there, and th this, is, this is what we're going after. I remember when my, uh, some of you guys know, my, I've got Jody and I, my wife and I, we've got three amazing daughters. And um, uh, I remember when one of them was, they were, they were both, two of them were in high school, one was in junior high. I will not share the names to protect the guilty. But the younger one, <laughs> she, she starts slipping in her grades. And Jody and I are like, what the heck is going on here? And we're like, you know, come on, girl, what? And so we're talking to her and we're trying to, you know, we're thinking, is it something we did? Is there, you know, what's happening? And, and so she's like, you know, we didn't find out and it didn't get any better if I'm honest. And, 
and, and, and then finally, we found out years later about a conversation she had with her sister as to why her grades had slipped. So one of the older sisters, if you can believe this, says, well, you know, I mean, when you're in junior high, like those grades don't really matter for your transcript. I mean, it's your high school grades that really matter that get you into college. I mean, if you're going to mess up, then do it now. Don't study. Don't worry about it. It's like, it's like, hey, when you're a freshman, I mean, buckle up and get going. But now? And so she's like, oh, that's a good idea. Now, I just need to say this. Please, if you're hearing me or watching me and you're hearing, if you're in eighth grade, seventh grade, I do not advocate anything my daughters were doing as their hearts were not in a good place. But isn't it true as we laugh that just as my daughter was just looking to do what she needed to get by, we oftentimes as Christians just do enough to get by. And you know what? I'll do that later. I'll get serious about that later. You know what? That part of my life, it's not a big deal that I'm not living it and it's not lining up with God's word. And that's prohibiting us from what God wants to do right in the here and now. So let me end my time with five ways to cultivate this good soil. So please, first thing is this. Monitor your heart for wrongdoing. I hear it all the time and we have fun because I hear other people saying it and it just, like, it just boggles my mind and people say, big decision and, we'll just, and you don't know what to say. Follow your heart. Have you heard that? Unless you're a Disney princess, that's the worst advice. I mean, that's an awful advice. Why? It, well, because Jeremiah says, look, your heart is deceitful. I mean, who can understand the heart? It's not always in a great place. It's true with me. I, sometimes my heart is just hard when I want it to be soft. Sometimes my heart is just, it's shallow when I want it to be soft. And it's crowded. I want it to be soft. Second thing is, resuscitate your heart with grace. And so I love this picture that the prophet Ezekiel paints two times in the book that bears his name. And so he gives this picture and he talks about a heart of stone. And what he means by the heart of stone, he says it needs to, it needs to you need to have, replace it with a heart of flesh. And what he means by that is you want to take that heart of stone and, repeat, and get it to be a heart of flesh so that it'll beat for God. And that's what the big seed of salvation does. It tends your heart and your motivation towards him and his word and his truth. And, and the word says that God will give you the desires of your heart, that he'll actually change your desires as you seek him more. So we need to resuscitate our hearts with grace. And if I'm really candid with you, one of my concerns it's not even about the amount of fruit in your life. It's the absence of fruit. Like there's no fruit. Like you say you have a heart for God and there's no evidence, there's no fruit. It's not the amount, it's the absence that is concerning for some. That I often say it like this, faith, if it hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. And so if your heart is continually hard over, man, he's looking to, resuscitate the heart with grace. It can happen today, right here in communion. Third way, 
good stuff today? With that kind of response, it makes me just want to pack up and go home for lunch. No, I'm kidding around. Hey, this is one of those messages that, you know, this is, honestly, this is the fourth time I'm doing it. We're doing it at two new locations that are opening up in Hinsdale. They're happening right now. I just got a text on the way in. A new location in St. Charles. This message is being preached in Monmouth. This message is going to all of our locations. North Aurora, Pastor Steve's down in Romeoville sharing. And I just think this is a message that we need to hear, especially after we come out of what we've been through. And that if we want to sow seeds of truth, even in our homes with our kids, recognize what's going on. This, this is, Jesus is giving us an unbelievable example. So he's saying, transplant your heart with truth. I think that's another way to cultivate the soft heart. And I love what it says in Psalm 119, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So God's word and the truths that it contains, that if we get this in our heart, that, that we will not sin against him. And again, let me give the promo. It's like, what's I'm in? Hey, we gotta, people are experiencing spiritual growth and the manifestation of God's goodness as a result of being in relationship, interconnected with each other, serving and growing together. That's what we're going for. You can be part of that. Don't, don't let this time slip by. Make this a season for you to grow. Resuscitate, transplant your heart with truth. And let me say this, our groups, I know Pastor Craig would affirm this, that it's not like our groups have different kinds of people in them. What do I mean by that? Like people are different places, man. We gotta just be good with that and help people. You're called to help people in spiritual need. And what do I mean? Well, you can't just say, hey, you know what? I, I know I'm, I'm in and everything, but, but can I just go to that group with all the hard-hearted, unrepentant people that don't want to live for God? That's actually the group I want. Do we have that group, Pastor Craig? Or Pastor Craig, could, could you give me the group with all the people who want to stay shallow in their faith and they, they just really don't care that much? We just want to be immature. We're just good with it. We just want to be in junior high our entire lives and we're immature in our faith. Or, Pastor Craig, can, can you find that group that, you know what, it's just, it's the group that, you know, sometimes we study God's word, sometimes we pray, but a lot of times we just watch Netflix and, and we just have fun or we go play volleyball. And do you get what I'm saying? I'm having fun, but like in your group that you're in or that you will join, there's people with all these hearts represented. And so we've got to interlock together so that what? So that we can all get to this place and paint the vision of the good soil. Amen? Amen. That's what we want. And we've learned that you can't do it yourself. So the next way, fourth way, is to check your heart for blockage. You need to check our hearts. We just had our elder board chairman, uh, Craig Hufford, who's been uh, in that role for a season now, and he... Um, he was out mowing the grass. He was doing some work and he goes to our Romeoville location and next thing you know, he comes in and his wife's a nurse, you know, thank God. And she recognizes, she's like, hey, we gotta get to the hospital, man. This, this, this isn't good. And, and he wound up, he had some blockage in his main artery, the widow maker. I mean, that's not a good thing. And, and so, you know, thankfully, you know, he got a stent put in and everything's fine. I, I just was with him two weeks ago and having lunch. I'm, I'm like, Craig, you sure you're supposed to be eating that? I mean, come on. Just kidding. And 
But isn't it true? We all, we all have blockage. And so again, another reason why we need each other, Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart. That's what we want to guard our hearts for everything flows out of it. And so as the worship team comes forward, as we close this and we look at the fifth way to cultivate the soft heart, I would just suggest that you would pace your heart according to God's heart. Let him be the pace car. Let him be the pace maker. Let him be the one that we follow. Let him be the one we draft off of. And, and David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says this twice, once in the New Testament and once in the Old. And think about David's life right now. That what? That man, there was sometimes he had a hard heart and he was doing things he knew he shouldn't have. And there's other times we see him with a soft heart and he's described as a man after God's own heart. So which of these ways do you need to implement, do you need to think about to cultivate the soft heart that I know God wants for you. Father, now as we move into this unique opportunity to reflect on you, I pray for your spirit to move. I pray for your grace to abound. I pray for each of us to sense your desires and your plan. I pray for your word to penetrate deep into our inner being. I know you're creating us to be the people you desire. And I pray for this time of response to be one in which you will lead us and guide us and will be open to hearing you. And I ask that in Jesus' name.